It's time for Tycoons of Small Biz, spotlighting the true backbone of the American economy, the true tycoons of business in America, the owners, founders, and CEOs of small businesses. The show's hosts, Austin Peterson and Landon Mance, are registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to this week's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. This is your host, Austin Peterson, with co-host Landon Mance, and we are excited to have in studio today Randy and Heather Lissarelli of Verapax Marketing. Randy and Heather, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so Randy and, and Heather, I've known Heather more than Randy. I've known Heather for a little over a year now, and I know, I know Heather to be um, what I would call a humble but strong leader. Heather and I are in a Vistage group today, so I'm very excited to have you guys in, in studio today to hear more about your story. All cards on the table for our listeners. I, I've known Heather, like I said, for more than a year. I've actually heard their story, so I know their story quite well, and I'm, I'm really excited to have them in the studio today to tell that story and, and what they do for our community. So again, thanks for being here. To have you guys tell your story a little bit, why don't we just you know start at the beginning. Randy and Heather are married. They're a married couple. And just tell us a little bit about uh, how long you guys have been married, a little bit about your family, and then we'll jump into how you got started with the business. So in 1988, Heather and I met in math 077, which is not even 100-level math because we both were so bad at it. (laughs) But it turned out to be a fortuitous class. And we uh, finished Glendale Community College and Arizona State. We were married one week after Heather finished ASU in the second summer session. So she finished on a Friday and I said, we're either getting married the next day or you get a week. So she said, give me a week. (laughs) And then from there, we worked independently for a while, worked with Heather's uh, father for a while. And then I started to get the itch for doing our own thing. There was a key moment in that when I was at a a friend's house and he was in his backyard. He lived in Paradise Valley and he was just brainstorming. We were brainstorming. I just got this feeling. I said, yeah, this is, this is what we want. This is what I want for us. The journey, and it really has and is a journey, is not everything that we expected. <laughs> but um, the other thing is when we started in 2000, the idea of us working together was something we were looking forward to. Not everybody does. Uh, not every married couple does, but it was something for us that we enjoyed. We've spent a lot of time through the ups and downs and the late nights and and such. But, uh, you know, hindsight, you look back and you think, what were the benefits or what are the benefits? What are the uh, drawbacks? And overall, I think it also depends on when you take the test. You ask that question, you know, if it the economy is an upswing and you're doing great, it's good. And when it's down... And your friends and colleagues are asking you if you have any work before they're going to lose their house. That's kind of humbling. Yeah. And I remember uh, Randy, when he approached me, uh, we were, had just had our first child. And so he approached me and said, I really feel like we should do our own thing. would like to have you join me in the journey. And he said, I have a feeling it's going to be 
quite a roller coaster of a journey, like an amusement ride. And uh, he was right. He was really right. It's been it's been a blessing, and we've learned a ton, um, and it's definitely been a roller coaster. And and I think what he says is very true. It depends on where you take the snapshot, because times where we're there. 12, 14 hours a day, you know, not so good. But there are have been opportunities where we can reach out and help friends and who might need some work. And it's a blessing to be able to have the opportunity to help and be able to say, yes, we can help. And so that's one of the biggest blessings, I think. Because Randy and I both, I believe, feel that if we couldn't help through what we're doing, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be near as valuable. That's the big desire we have is to help our community and those around us. Yeah. And I've certainly seen that in my interactions with you guys. And, you know, we've talked about that a little bit over past episodes as well in that, you know, I think a lot of times in the media, business owners are portrayed as money hungry people, right? And, And the reality is most tycoons of small biz are, are not necessarily in it to make gobs of money, right? I mean, we, we want to make a living. We want to take care of our family. We want to do the things that, you know, that we want to do. And we certainly set goals from a financial perspective. But many of us are just as interested, if not more interested in employing others and giving others a hand up, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and doing things for our community that make a difference. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. We've, uh, through the journey, we've had numerous people employed, resign in a matter of weeks, and then file unemployment. So the burden shifts to particularly Heather, fill out paperwork to do those types of things, which is one of the many things behind the scenes, as you mentioned, that is not a money generator. It's a time sink, but it's part of the responsibility of ownership that Many don't consider when they think, hey, like you mentioned, I'm going to go out and make a lot of money and not have to worry about some issues and stuff. But at the same time, it's key that the people that we do find and work with, they're genuine and they do want to help in addition to us. So that's the culture that we've tried to create is that family type of culture with those people. So if they came and, you know, they resigned after a few weeks, it meant they weren't a good fit anyway. And we we have... uh largely because of the instruction from the Vistage group and uh, wisdom is we've predominantly established our mission and our core values and everybody on our team is aware of what they are and we go over them every week Uh, and it's part of our hiring process now so that everybody knows in advance who we are, who we're about, one little snippet that's dear to my heart is we want to make a positive difference in the world around us one person at a time. And I believe we can do that through the business. And I think that days that may be long, maybe longer and a little bit more difficult, that's what helps get us. But there's, there's a lot of great things too. Maybe a hard journey, but it's also a very valuable one. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and spending time at your business and going on a tour, I can attest to the fact that the people are with you, right? I mean, what I saw, they were they were there. They were all about the culture. They, everybody was rowing together to try to get somewhere. And that's, that's not always the case in small businesses. Mm. Sorry, we've been fortunate in that sense that even though uh, Helen and I lack certain 
management skills that those type of people, as you mentioned, have bought into who we are as owners and they know that we really are interested in helping and have the initiative to say, okay, I know that um, I'm not going to have my responsibilities or accountabilities laid out for me sometimes, but I'm smart enough to take the initiative and say, okay, I need to just run with this and figure it out as we go. And that, I think, makes some of the people feel really empowered that they know that we're going to back them, uh, mistake or positive outcome. And there have been some mistakes, expensive ones, (laughs) and uh, they get to go home. But, um, you know, they come in, we talk about it the next day, and we just work through it. And that too, you know, among other things is is one of the things I think, like Heather mentioned, the the chance, as, as we talked about, to own your own business, for me, it has been a lot about self-awareness and what my strengths and weaknesses are and where we can improve and where I'm not so good. So, Recently, someone told me that I'm like on Interstate 5 with all the lanes and I'm swerving across all the lanes. And they would like, would you just pick a lane and stay in that lane so that the rest of us don't have to clean up your debris trail, <laughs> including <laughs> Heather. Heather. The guardrails, right? <laughs> yeah. We have team members that are like, stay out of production now. I know you used to do it, but don't stay in your room and do your thing. <laughs> I'm thinking you must have grown up in Orange County, maybe. I, I just don't know why you would reference I-5 rather than the 10 or the 60, given that we're in Phoenix. But. Somebody, whoever it was, I think it was, it's an employee from California, and they just yeah. assumed that I knew all, you know, that there's 50 lanes or whatever it was. But for an analogy, it worked. And gotcha. we have, I think, right now, we have the most incredible team that we've ever had. And the, we'll be celebrating our 20 years in business in November. And I can't remember a more solid team. And actually, you know, life changed quite a bit when uh, COVID-19 hit and businesses started to shut down and stay at home orders. And it was amazing to sit back and watch everybody get to work and do what they knew how to do to do the very best they could with their skill set. People brought new ideas. Um, We ventured into different types of marketing. Everybody just got to work. Nobody looked back. And it was incredible. And so uh, I believe I haven't, I've been like a a proud mama hen, really. (laughs) And our weekly sales meetings, I'm like, you guys are doing so good. And I, you know, and I, I feel like I really do need to be more deliberate, like we, we've we learned, and, and point things out more to specific people. But I'm kind of just busting that everybody is, we got this. You know, that was their attitude. That's been their attitude all along, is we got this. We got each other's back. That's, that's huge. I was going to yeah. say, in adding that, I don't think that is as a result of fear of job loss. I think it's as a result of most people realizing this is what we have. We're all together and we keep hearing that, you know, we're together, but we need to change our attitude a little bit and think creatively. How can we do stuff? And 
I believe, like Heather said, that really has brought the team a lot closer with different initiatives and people taking ownership of things that, well, we have to delegate what we're doing. They, How about this? Or how about that? When we brainstorm, we've had some really good ideas and one's launching this next week. I think next week that one employee came up with. Um, so that's, that's true. That's been fun of late and mm-hmm. good. And yeah. we've established a program called the WOW Awards. It's just a little, um, a little sheet. It's anonymous. So if you see an, another team member doing something extraordinary or just being nice or going out of their way or just anything, doesn't have to be anything big, you can fill out an anonymous sheet, drop it in the WOW Award box. And then the, uh, the first Thursday of every month at our meeting, we, we do a drawing. And then I have a, a prize basket, a WOW Award basket, and whoever wins gets to pick a it's not a huge prize, but, you know, there's fun little things in there. And I would just like to add, Heather has won numerous times, but disqualifies herself. So last time <laughs> when she went to go get the prize basket, she came in. We all said, yay. And she's like, what? We said, you win this week. No, 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 no. I didn't win. <laughs> so to your point, yes, she's humble and quiet, but she does a fantastic job for everybody. And they all know that. Everybody what we work with knows that, including vendors. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I think everything that you've just talked about is a testament to the culture that you guys have built, right? And, and one other point that that stuck out to me is talking about innovating, right? And employees that are that are bringing to you different ideas to do things differently. You know, I read an article last night or this morning by one of our former guests, actually Brenda Schmidt from Coplex, and she was on, and or she actually wrote a quick article. You should look it up on LinkedIn, but she talks about you know how. It, too many businesses nowadays are going into survival mode and and survival mode is not thinking about what's next, but it's how do we kind of hold on to what we have? And that's a mistake, mm-hmm. right? We need to figure out how to innovate out of this so that we're all moving forward and the momentum's created forward as we come out of this pandemic or, you know, everything that's kind of going on right now, there's a lot of things that kind of hit at the same time, right? And it can send businesses into, into a tailspin if they don't really kind of pull together and, and innovate their way out of here. It's a really so, good point. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's very cool. So, you know, we've, we've gotten to this 20 years, which congratulations, by the way, I mean, staying in business 20 years, even with the roller coaster that we all know <laughs> it is, uh, is a big, big deal. So congratulations. Thank and, you. Thank you. And uh, I'll look forward to celebrating with you guys in November. So tell us a little bit about how you chose you know what you, you decided you wanted to go into business for yourself, which, by the way, as a couple, I mean, my wife will tell you, we worked together when we were newlyweds. It did not go well. <laughs> and, and, and my assistant is is actually moving to Portland, Oregon. And so I'm going to be looking for a new assistant. And, and my wife said, should I do that? And I'm thinking to myself, well, it didn't go very well 21 years ago. I'm not sure if we want to <laughs> if we want to try this again. But um, so, you know, kudos to you guys to figure it out. I'm sure it's not easy. I know that the family dynamic and the and the business dynamic can get complicated. So, you know, kudos to you for figuring that out. But tell us, you know, once you decided to get into business, how did you decide on marketing and promotional goods and kind of give us a little bit of a sense of how you got to where you are today? So the, let's say we reversed engineered. So we didn't start out with the idea that this would be the niche that we would start in and uh, put a formal business plan together. It was actually more by familiarity. 
So there was a season in which uh, my dad and his background in IT for Valley National Bank, for those of us who remember, been here a long time, uh, started in the Air Force and is working on mainframes. And because of that history, we had a lot of technology around our house that I didn't realize. So we had the first Apple, Apple II, we have the first PC and stuff. So that I gravitated towards. And when we had a season where we worked together with Heather's dad, bringing that component to the business was something that allowed the, his business to grow. And then as I learned more and challenged myself more and the industry changed, when it came time for us to start our own thing, it was a natural, in our case, it was a natural transition for for Heather's dad to say, well, you can continue to do the work that you're doing for me under your own business since what you're doing is pretty much data and exchange of data. So that's how we started into it and said it was familiar to me. I could do it. And I proposed to Heather, why don't we just move this direction? And it wasn't it wasn't anything that I think some people have the idea of or or do, which is I've been in an industry or I've started and I'm going to uh, change into something different. I'm just, it's looking for a career change or changing something different. So it's familiarity. And basically because I became a subject matter expert in that, we ended up doing more of uh, initially printing and mailing. So I, I learned the printing industry and combined with the mailing industry and the changing stuff that was happening with the post office, which was quite a bit. And then one of the clients for us that uh, was our bread and butter for that season was Mayo Clinic. And so Mayo Clinic was sending projects to us and primarily because when they started in the variable data market, so it would be, dear John, we're sending this letter to you because your physician uh, is changing, that they tried that internally and it didn't work out twice and some people got really embarrassed within the organization. So uh, we had a call out of the blue. This is, again, one of those coincidental things that just happened sometimes from an agency that we were doing work for, where we had just taken on one of their clients and we really didn't agree with some of the mailing, the literature that they were writing up and sending out. So we had I had befriended the receptionist. And on the same day that I had been there to tell the account manager that we were not going to be able to do this job for them, which we knew meant they'd terminate us as a, as a vendor. The receptionist received a call from her contact at Mayo Clinic and said, hey, you're in this industry. Do you know of anyone? And she said, oh, sure. We know these people that uh, they do a lot of work for us. They do a fantastic job. So I received a phone call. And because, again, I, I say I was a subject matter expert in what they needed, I went out. We had a meeting. I explained them what I do. They told me what the problem. I said, no, here's our checks and balances that we put in and we create. And they said, that sounds great. And so from then on, uh, we became, for the for uh, Mail Clinic in Arizona, we did more and more and more mail work. So the initial part of the business, so it was not deliberate, but we ended up in there and that space worked out very well for us, as well as the types of uh, things additional to mailing that they wanted us to do. So we became kind of a, a business that serviced them. So for example, one time we, uh, we, we, we consider ourselves kind of their special ops team. We got a call one time for um, umbrellas. 
we need umbrellas. We need whatever it was. A hundred. A hundred umbrellas. We need them tomorrow. No, so, they needed them same day. Oh, same day. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I said, do they, they need to have, you know, your logo on them? Do they have to be? No, we just need a hundred umbrellas. So I jumped in the car and I went to every Target, every department store I could and just loaded the cart up with umbrellas and boxed them up, delivered them. They were as happy as they were just thrilled. And so we really evolved in the business by clients saying, can you, when we say, yes, we can. <laughs> and then we find out the details. And that's, that's a good point. I think for us is even though sometimes we know when a client asks something that we may not have done it, the discovery of trying to solve it brings value to us as an organization. Even if that particular project does, project does not work out, now we've touched into some space that we can be prepared for the next time someone asks, can you do this? So it's not brand new to us and we're able to say, yeah, I think we can. And that has also been true for other clients too. So we're likely to say yes. So I may say, you know, 60% of me thinks that, yes, we can do this, but I need to do a little discovery. So give us a little bit of time. Let me do it and we'll research it and figure it out. Not always, like I mentioned, does it work out? But I believe that that's important. Uh, that attitude is important for small business owners not to say, uh, at times, not to say that's not within our lane. We really won't do that. Now, there are times when that's valuable too, is to stay in that lane. But for us and our experience, we found that that's been, that's been very helpful for us as well. Yeah, no, I think <clears throat> I think being willing to, to step up and do whatever you can, right? Correct. And that's the thing is sometimes you just can't. But to do whatever you can to serve your clients and, and make them happy is going to pay dividends for years to come. So one more story, if I may, on that, like, like being flexible early on. So Mayo Clinic would, at for Christmas, they would uh, provide movie tickets from Harkins Theaters to all their employees. Well, the department we work with, when they went to buy the tickets, they realized there was a cap on their credit card. And so they were stuck because they really needed to get this project going. So me being the creative thinker, I thought, that's a lot of points on an American Express card if we can get it. <laughs> so I proposed to them. I said, why don't I just buy the tickets? And they said, could you do that? It was, I think it was like $57,000 or something like that. So I just called American Express. I said, hey, we're going to have this big charge come through. Are we fine? They said, yeah, you're fine. So sure enough, we put a, the charge on it. And as I was driving to pick, I left their office and I was driving to pick up the tickets and I called and I said, hey, sweetie, are you sitting down? <laughs> I said, you're going to see a charge. Don't worry about it. And she's, you know, go 57,000 or whatever the number was. But that was another uh, another um, situation where being creative not only benefited them, but benefited us. They were like thrilled that we could get done and move the project forward. Yeah. No, I think that that's, those are both great examples of going above and beyond doing whatever you can to help help your clients. So let's, let's take advantage um, of this small break and go ahead and hear a word from our sponsor. We've got a little technical issue, it looks like too, with Zoom. So let's hear from our sponsor and see if we can get that reconnected. At Paylocity, we deliver more than our awesome product suite with crazy good reviews. We prioritize your success by covering you with a deep support system to back up our easy to use, innovative HR solutions. Everything we do is designed to support you in reaching your goals. Together, 
We tackle your day-to-day work so that you can spend more time building the culture you and your employees crave. For professionals who crave true partnership, Paylocity is the HR and payroll company that frees you from the tasks of today so together we can spend more time focused on the promise of tomorrow. Let's go forward together. Welcome back. All right. I apologize. I hope that I'm not asking something that was already addressed because I've kind of had a little bit of a little bit of an issue hearing you guys clearly. But uh, just before we 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 move on kind of to the next subject, if you will, something that I, I thought was interesting and I think would be valuable to to hear about from you guys is um, in the pre-show notes. I know that you guys mentioned that you, you did some research around the opportunity prior to starting the business to ensure its, you know, viability, but also to ensure that it provides. I know, exa- I know what, I know what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, that's okay, Landon, while we were trying to work through that. So what we, one of the things that you're, you're talking about is we have learned and tried and come to realize that there are like a trillion different philosophies or books or whatever people have on how to run a business, the sub methods, those types of things. One of the key questions in uh, the particular path that we tried to follow, the model we tried to follow, which was the e-myth, was when you think this is an opportunity you want to pursue, you have to start with your end game and what do you want your exit scenario to look like? And does the opportunity that you want to seek provide what you want in terms of uh, finances, lifestyle, family, all those types of things? So you may have a great idea, but it's important to do the research to find out, well, you know, maybe the cap of the income or the opportunity could be, uh, let's say, $50,000 a year. So is that going to meet my goal? Is that going to take care of my family? And if it isn't, then you should really discover, uh, try something else that's as a, that makes uh, that is more aligned with what you want as your exit strategy. And so, for us, mailing was where we started. Printing and mailing was where we started. And as we've moved the ball down the field and evolved, marketing by adding other services has given us somewhat of an umbrella in the digital market space to do more. So we have determined when we started that, yes, there is an opportunity there and it can do what we want. We just need to make sure that we're open, that we're um, following our financials, we're checking the opportunity, we're constantly being aware of what's going on in the marketplace. And that was a key decision in in doing what we did. Um, Initially, like I said, it became, when we first started, it was chase the client and service them and Financially, it worked out very good. But then we, when we leveraged that to look at, well, what else could we do? We realized in this space, there is a lot of opportunity. And for my, one of my likes is to understand human behavior, which is essentially kind of what marketing can be if you want. And learning the search side, the social side, kind of being on the other side of the glass, of the side of the mirror and understanding behavior that has been much broader and much uh, richer for us than I would have imagined at the time. But that was the key component to that part of the uh, notes that I made is don't start something until you figure out, will this solve, will this meet your expectations at the end? 
Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great way to to look at it, right? Because I think it's Stephen Covey who says, "Begin with the end in mind," yeah. right? And so you, you've got to have a plan. But again, to go to to reference Brenda Schmidt again, she had some really good comments when she was on. Is she she said sometimes you've got it's the three P's. You've got to persevere. You've got to pivot or perish, mm. right? And so you're you're choosing one of those, and and along the way. You know, if you think back 20 years ago, 20 years ago, there was no social media. <laughs> the web was out there, but websites weren't huge yet, right? And so you've, you've had to pivot along the way to make sure that your business remains viable. And, and I would guess, and you guys can re- correct me if I'm wrong, but you're probably starting to see some comeback or pullback to mailers again. And people are realizing that there's actually still some value there because I'm sure everybody pushed away and went everything online for a while. And maybe your mailing business dropped and I'll bet you that you're starting to see an uptick would be my guess. Yes, that's very true. And actually, um, the post office is innovating also. Um, They're constantly uh, improving the requirements for mailers they have something now where um, intelligent, <clears throat> excuse me, intelligent mail um, that Randy can speak to a little bit more, but it it helps you incorporate direct mail with, say, your website and a call to action. And so you can tie the two mediums together and and make a very effective campaign. And so, yes, we have seen an uptick in uh, the mailings industry. And I think not every mailer is aware of the opportunities out there. Our team is very deliberate about staying connected and staying compliant with uh, the USPS to make sure that uh, we're a preferred vendor. Yeah, uh, of late, especially with the virus, but generally has been tending towards that, even though the uh, the volume in the marketplace is reducing. The number of players in the space is also reducing. So with that consolidation, there becomes opportunity. And what we've noticed is we have, for the last three and a half, four years, digital marketers are approaching us saying, can we add this channel to our campaign? Because what used to be considered uh, junk mail, in that, like you mentioned, in that messaging, people today, unless they're deliberate, can just get overwhelmed with the amount of digital information they received. So there's something to a tangible physical piece. Sometimes it's special paper, sometimes it's a fold, as well as it's a practical method for what's going on with COVID right now for a geo-targeted radius around a business or getting more segmented with the list opportunity. So households with uh, children, households with income, those types of things. And what Heather's talking about is where the post office is just getting crushed financially because they haven't quite done what they need to. But realizing they were getting crushed in that digital space, they started a service called Informed Delivery, which is a free service that any individual can sign up for. And what it is, it allows you to see scans of mail pieces that are coming to your home. And so each day you can get an email if you sign up for the email or you sign up for the mobile app. So you'll get a notification and you'll see, oh, this is coming in today. That's coming in today. And it's very beneficial for those who are traveling. You'll be able to see what's going on. Uh, Oh, yeah, that bill's coming in or here comes a birthday card from someone. And along with that, as mailers, if you have the right blend of technology, you can 
part of their informed delivery service, you can actually replace the image of the mail, that scan, which is, has your name on it, with a full color image that can be unique to each person or static across the whole campaign, as well as a hyperlink clickable call to action. So in a nonprofit context, for example, you can send your appeal letter out, appeal for finances, and then right in your mobile or on your email, there'll be a click call to action right to the donation page. And then this post office will provide you the statistics how many of the 5,000 people you mailed to, what was the universe that are subscribed? So I just did one yesterday where 4,000 people uh, were on the list and over 33%, 35% were eligible, had signed up for the program. So you do a pre-campaign analysis. So that means of the 4,000 people, that pool who are signed up will receive the digital version. And in this case, it was a charter school. It was a call to action was, you know, go register or call us for more information right now. So they're getting an additional touch point at no extra cost for them. And the mail piece distinguishes itself in that because it's color and it has a call to action. So when the campaign is complete, then we download the report and provide it to the client that says, you know, mail piece, you know, mailing of 4,000 pieces and uh, 200, whatever the number may end up being of your campaign, click through to whatever your call to action was. And some, we work with some digital marketers that have the, will create their own landing page for that account. So they can then track that behavior and analytics and do those types of things and see what the bounce rate, see what the on-time site uh, pages, page time on site, those types of things. But for political, we're seeing a huge uptick in the request for that. And we're one of those that, like Heather said, we're one of uh, seven mailers in the Phoenix metro area to achieve achieve the highest status quality. And that allows us, enables us to perform these types of things, whereas other mailers cannot. So we're seeing a lot of political mail and campaigns come our way where they get that additional feature, that additional service that we will implement for them, which is another touch point, visit a campaign's position paper, visit the website, a donate button, those types of things. And it's all at no cost directly to the campaign is something that we just do as part of helping them and bring that value add. I, I think that's huge. I mean, I, I I seem to feel like I stay up to date on marketing and technology, but I'd never heard of that. I don't know if Landon did, and I'm not sure if Landon can even hear us at this point. We're having some audio difficulties, but He's sending me text messages with what he wants me to ask you, so <laughs> I will uh, I will certainly comply with uh, with what he wants. But that uh, I think that that could be really cool for a lot of small businesses, right? Targeted, like you said, for restaurants, for mortgage companies, you know, financial planners like Landon and I, whatever it is. I think that there's a lot that could be accomplished by that, and then nonprofits and and political campaigns, I'm sure, are huge. It they are, and one of the other uh, one of the other applications is if. A business has an integrated CRM will generate a QR code that's unique to that offer for tracking. So if you have it on your mobile, which you should because you have the, um, the app from the post office, you can just walk in. They can scan the QR code right on your device. It goes right into the CRM. They know what the offer was. They know the source. They know who you are, and they get the discount or whatever it is. So you don't physically need to even have the mail piece. So you could see that it's coming if it's at XYZ store and you're thinking, oh, you know, I want my 20% off coupon. I'm just going to head there and let them scan it and do that. So that integration uh, as part of a CRM or just like you mentioned, nonprofit and in the political space with the number of event gatherings reduced, fundraising has been a little tricky. 
So a call to action to donate now for those mail pieces that you're sending out really at no additional cost has been very beneficial to a few of the candidates that that have understood it and asked us to implement it for them. Some are uncomfortable. They're just not sure of it. But those we explain it to generally say, wow, that's pretty slick. Let's let's uh, employ that in this campaign. We have one coming up for 80,000 pieces. The campaign manager knew right away exactly what we were talking about and said, wow, that's it. It was fantastic. Don't even look. need to look for another place. You offer it. Nobody else even mentioned it. We're going with you. So it was a great selling point for us. Yeah, no, I think that for me, if I were a political candidate, and I've got a friend actually, oddly enough, I didn't know ahead of time, he's running for mayor, and I could, I could imagine the, the information that he would receive from that and then just the, the click-through and, like you said, donations, those sorts of things, or sign up to have a lawn sign put at your, at your house or, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. Like, you would think that there's a lot of different uses that they could, that they could use for that. So that's great. Well, Landon's telling us that uh, audio is really not working great, so I think we may have lost him completely. So you guys are stuck with just me for the rest of the hour. I apologize. <laughs> we miss you, Landon. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, one of the things that Landon specifically wanted me to ask you guys was, I'm sure over the last 20 years, you haven't accomplished every goal that you were hoping to accomplish, for sure. right? But there there have been some goals that you've accomplished along the way, and so... How do you think those goals have come to fruition? What have you guys done specifically to have met those goals along the way? So I'll, I'll take the lead on that one and we'll see if you want to jump in. So one of the things that I consider that was not an initial goal uh, that as was just as a byproduct of the process is raising our three kids. When I say a byproduct of that, the long hours that Heather and I worked uh, and still do, the kids, our three children, uh, who are now 20, 17, and uh, 14, they grew up since they were little ones. In fact, it's in the story Heather shared where our youngest one day while we were at the office working on something late at night decided to grab uh, a Sharpie and color her lips, including her teeth, <laughs> in black. Um, but they grew up in the culture of what it means to be a small business, and for them it was something that we didn't realize for them to see the hard work that mom and dad put in, the long hours. Now, the disadvantage to that was they weren't able to participate in things extracurricular that we would have hoped. But let's say for right now, our um, our 20-year-old, he's already starting to be an entrepreneur and he's learned many things from us being in the small businesses, how to handle clients, what the expectations are, those types of things that others didn't. And our kids will ask us, hey, how did it go with that client? How did it go with that project? They'll actually, they've actually even run equipment, come up sometimes and help us run equipment together. So as a goal, we didn't set out for that, but that was one thing that, you know, depends on how you look at it. For us, we'll take the positive, which is they're getting an education that many aren't and seeing a practical application to, I have to go meet with this client. Uh, generally speaking, when I wear dress pants, they used to say, oh, you got a big meeting today because normally I'm just wearing shorts around the office. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got a meeting today. Um, but I'd say that's been one of the things, one of the other personal goals for me has been just understanding my, myself in, I said, like I mentioned before, what I'm good at how I need to relate to others, how we need to build a team, and how important it is to set goals. And, you know, without a rudder, you can, you're just tossed to and fro. 
And so you, as you mentioned, having some kind of endpoint in mind and setting goals to achieve that and then monitoring those is just really important. And I think for me, um, you know, Randy had mentioned that we started this journey because of familiarity. He, the familiarity from my point is that I used to be the bookkeeper for the, the point resort gift shop. And so he said, hey, you know how to do books. Why don't you come and you, you take care of our finances? And I said, I can do that. And as the business has grown and changed and in so many ways, I didn't necessarily have it as a goal in mind, but I have learned a tremendous amount because when you're thrust into a situation, um, if you don't if you don't have a human resources department, you make one and you go to classes and you learn the laws and you find, figure out the rules and and the benefits and all different things. So the scope of my uh, ability, I really had to challenge myself because my initial reaction to things is, oh, I don't know how to do that. That's that's difficult. Over the last several years, yeah, it's difficult, but one step at a time, little by little, you learn. That, like I said, it may not have been a, a goal. It should have been personal personal growth and um, education, but um, it's been a, a good outcome. I don't shy away from things as much as I used to. I have a better approach of we can do this one step at a time. We'll be fine. I'd like to, I'd just like to say on that point where Heather found her, when she first started to take over the books and then things got more complicated and more complex, we uh, evolved to a point where we needed a new accountant. And the first year the new accountant looked over Heather's uh, meticulous notes and record keeping. I've had a lot of people in my practice over the last however many years. And he said, you're the first client I would gladly and willingly shove every piece of documentation you have across the table to an IRS audit agent and said, I'll guarantee you it's in there. <laughs> and <laughs> as I say that as a compliment to Heather, because as, as she mentioned, she would typically have self-doubt, but now she's more confident. Now, I know this, I've been affirmed through other people who are professionals that say, no, this is, you, you do a fantastic job. So that affirmation for her, I think, has been one of the things, you know, you learn personally as you go through in that challenge. And one of the things in your three Ps, I think the pivot is also, uh, to me, it's correlated to knowledge, knowing what's going on in your industry, what trends are going on. And it's it really goes beyond the industry since things are so global nowadays. I spend probably 30 minutes a day just following what's going on globally and see how that may trickle down to us what may or may not change financial institutions, geopolitical stuff. That's important. And uh, taking the company in a different direction, one of the things you mentioned just coincidentally was in that informed delivery, having somebody in politics, the benefits of having where they put their signs. So the last two years we've developed, we've been developing a software as a service that's not as capital intensive as our equipment-based business. And that software as a service essentially leverages uh, mobile devices and the Google uh, Maps API to allow political campaigns and campaign managers to place their signs virtually and then push out through a mobile device to all of their their collective team members, which signs they're assigned, where they go, navigate through Google Maps to it, when they place it, 
when they get within 20 feet, they place it, they take a picture, it uploads it back into the campaign dashboard. So campaign manager gets to see everything. So that we thought we would catch more of this cycle, but we're still working through it. We just have one developer, but that's an example of trying to stay relevant in a space with our marketing experience. So we can do offer that to a political person and say, hey, have you thought about or considered whether you're running for a school board and you're managing 50 signs and you don't want to get trouble with your local authorities because you forget to pick them up or after a storm, a monsoon in our case, are they blown down? Can you tell your um, volunteers, hey, please go check the sign, that kind of thing. So it's just a small example of one of those things that we're defending our base, but we're working at trying to stay relevant as we move along. And and the to the point of needing to pivot right as we were were launching and getting ready to go full steam ahead is when the uh, the state shut down and so nobody was in their cars driving and so it was it was kind of pointless at that point to put signs out so we we just regroup and we say okay how do we pivot from here so i think pivot is a very very good word yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think it's an important part of of every small business, right? Um, I do think that some small businesses pivot too often, so it can also be a, a negative, right? And so we've got to kind of rein that in. But let's take a quick break here from our last sponsor, and then I want to come back and talk about kind of where you guys are today and where we go from here. Whether you're an established local company or a brand new startup, you can count on GBS to be part of your family. We're not just any benefits consulting firm, we're GBS. We have nearly 30 years of experience in group benefits, a strong sense of purpose, and it shows. GBS, believe in something better. GBSbenefits.com. All right, welcome back. We're again here with Randy and Heather Lissarelli of Arapax Marketing. And uh, we've just been talking a little bit about, you know, their journey along or, you know, throughout the years, raising a family as business owners, positives, negatives to that. You know, I tell you, I've owned my own business in essentially my entire adult life. Um, it's all my kids have ever really known. I've done some consulting along the way. And so they've seen, you know, a little bit of a, I guess, maybe an employer type, you know, because it was consulting for a large company. And so it was almost like an employer type of a, of a relationship. And so they've seen both sides. But you know, I think that there's some benefit to to what they've gone through. You know, my my kids are 20 and 17, and I think that there are some some lessons that they could have learned along the way if they had worked in the business with me, right? And I mean, it was maybe three years ago. My oldest son said, "Dad, what you do for a living has got to be the most boring thing in the world. There's no way I would want to do that." Ouch. And six months ago, he completely has changed his mind and thinks that he does want to come to work with dad. And, and, uh, you know, so we'll kind of see what the the future holds. He's, he's on the path to be a sports journalist and I don't want to quash that a little, you know, I think it's too early to quash that. He's gone to one semester at Arizona state. Um, and so I think he needs to kind of fin, you know, finish that and, and blaze his own path, so to speak. And I've let him know that the door is always open. But it is interesting to see, and I kind of wonder if it would have pushed him further away or if it would have brought him closer mm-hmm. if he had been working alongside me all these years. I think what you guys have done, yes, are there some negatives potentially, right? I mean, maybe they didn't get to play the sports that they wanted to play, or maybe they didn't get to you know, be part of different clubs or whatever it is uh, along the way. But in terms of what they're going to be as contributing adults, I think you've, you've obviously given them some some very good lessons along the way. So 
it's nice to see. One of the things we forgot to mention is during our journey, the the addition initial initially with our kids had their homeschool, and then when the demands of the business got uh, pretty intense, we had to abandon that. And so the kids entered public school, and our oldest is on the autistic spectrum. And so as he left sixth grade and went into seventh grade, he quickly was identified, I mean, literally in the first day of middle school as the kid you can pick on. It was changing his personality and we realized we needed to do something. So one of the other benefits of us having the uh, self-employment was we discovered and enrolled him in online school. So starting from eighth grade for him through high school, he was doing online school, which meant they came to the office with us. And then our middle said, you know, that looks pretty good. I'd, I'd like to do that too. So them doing online school, who knew what it would turn into now that, you know, the pivoting so much of the online school is going to, you know, a lot is going to have to move online. They've already been started at it, uh, experts. They know what to expect. They know their deadlines. They know what to do. And that too was part of the benefit of us being together. So not only would they be able to work with us, but doing online school got them familiar with, you know, research and what you have to do, uh, all that's there and some skills. I'd throw something at them and say, hey, go look this up on Google and tell me what it is. And you're like, really, dad? Yes, please do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some things. Um, so that being part of the journey, like you say, it it uh, it's a half full, half empty kind of a thing. But we choose to make it look, uh, we choose to look at it through the half full. And one of the one of the uh, positives is as that online school for our middle, as he entered high school, ASU started a program, a digital online program for high school kids, and they really have made that an opportunity, like you mentioned, where if your high school grades are at a certain point, uh, ASU Prep Digital will allow you to enroll concurrently in university level classes, one hundred, and that's at no cost. So you, your student in high school can get a flavor for what they think they may like and may discover whether they do or don't without the $2,400 per class bill to say, you know, I'm 10,000 into this and I realize I don't like option A. I want to go, you know, to option B. So that is part of that ecosystem that we were able to create or that created itself um, through us being self-employed in sick days. We we weren't we didn't really have to worry about sick. We just brought the kids in, put them in the office, put the caution: do not enter tape on the door. <laughs> left them in there. Not necessarily. <laughs> oh, I'm we sorry. Have, did I say that? Yeah, no. Just no. We had a cot and everything, but we also um, supplemented with other things so that they could get out and explore. Um, we supplemented with you know flag football, and they were all in theater theater group and made it great friendships through uh, theater. And so you just have to be deliberate and creative. Yeah. No, I think you guys, I mean, it sounds like you guys found the balance, right? And and they've got some lessons that are really going to be helpful to them as, as their life goes on. So so let's, let's kind of with the last few minutes, what I want to do is kind of talk about the future, right? And, and where you're going. And you mentioned one, you know, project that's probably going to launch next week. And so if you're comfortable talking about that, we can talk about it. If not, you can just talk generally but, you know, one of the things that I've seen since the pandemic hit, and you guys have mentioned it a little bit as well, is that 
a lot of small businesses or even larger businesses have kind of reined in their marketing budget and their advertising budget and and think, you know, we've got to kind of put our arms around this, you know, put it in a lockbox like Al Gore used to say with Social Security, right? <laughs> put put the money in a lockbox and, and just kind of hold on to what we've got. And, and I think that's a mistake. I think that if you have the ability, not every business has the ability, right? But if you can figure out a way to financially still get some marketing done, you'll actually ride this wave out stronger as time goes on. So, you know, talk specifically to that and what the future holds. Well, and that that's a great uh, discussion point. So as we talked about thinking creatively and pivoting, what we realized is other small businesses like us, especially as you mentioned, will have a tendency to pull back. So what we've done is change our offering and made bundled low-cost packages available to businesses for 300 bucks. So if you can afford 300 bucks, we'll market to uh, 3,000, 5,000 homes for your retail-based service or your service for uh, pool cleaning or whatever. It's somewhat like a Valpac, only we're using a different targeted list and we're trying to be sensitive to the budgets as well as signage, sometimes a mailer. So we want to be flexible with them to see if we can help them understand this is an opportunity as Perhaps, unfortunately, competitors are closing. We would like to encourage you to get the message out and do a call to action, some kind of offer to make sure that you're at least in communication. And that was something we came up with literally in one brainstorming session on a Thursday in one hour. And the next week we had the marketing pulled together on that. And then the following week we had all the literature ready to go and we were hitting the street ourselves and using it across our social channels. We had one of our uh, salesmen who's from Brooklyn likes to go door to door, knocking on doors. And within, within about four weeks, we have landed about 38 new clients that have taken on that opportunity and said, yeah, you know, I'll take that because the budget is right and the reach is good. Others have said, well, what else can you do? So we've uh, and say part of that bundling, we'll offer them uh, signage storefront if they're brick and mortar and they have the signage. Uh, we've offered signage for them. So that's during this time. And we're trying to encourage them, you know, we want to partner with you. We want to help you. And we don't want to take advantage of you. Uh, if there's other things that we can do that will help you uh, with no cost, that's important. So as who knows how long we'll be through this, We'll also work with some businesses who have not even claimed their Google My Business listing and teach them how to take care of that and uh, grow some, some, even if they have a shopping cart, put some links on there to sell, some coupons to get some of that stuff going. So we're trying to empower a lot of the small businesses to use and manage tools that they may already have and not be aware of. Um, we've been, as you mentioned, we've been in constant contact business partner since 2001. I used to actually call the phone and speak to Alex Stern, the founder. And I'd say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And he'd be like, hmm, that's an interesting idea. So we encourage people to leverage that if they're not doing it, how to collect uh, stuff. Even, you know, there's still businesses nowadays who say, I'm really focused on my core. Marketing is not something I'm good at. I have a small budget. What can I do? And so those that's our messaging now. And what we're trying to do is pull back and say, what is your budget? And let's throw some options at you that you can consider that we feel are beneficial and that can help you stay noticed, keep in front of people and be ready as the opportunity presents itself. And one of the other things too is, you know, the restaurant industry has been hit pretty hard. Uh, and initially we 
we did an initiative where we would just say, hey, we'll print 500 coupons for you at no cost just to try to get the word out to your neighbors and so forth. Uh, and recently we just la- uh, launched uh, safeandcleanmenus.com where restaurants can go on and purchase recyclable menus at a very reasonable price so that you don't have to worry about whether or not there's, you know, keeping your clients, your customers safe. So there's a lot of different things, like you said, being creative, thinking about how we can help them. We've we've done a few things for uh, small struggling businesses to to do, you know, we'll give 50% of the proceeds to this, this um, organization or whatever. So just trying to reach out in the midst of, there's a lot of hurting people out there to see how we can help. As part of that outreach, that was directly for some businesses where we created a product specifically specifically for them, allowed them to push it out on social, put up a woo cart, uh, added the cart to them for them. And whatever we collected, like Heather said, 50% would go to them. And in the program I mentioned about targeting um, uh, it, it, our own program to mail to uh, certain geographies, the uh, 10% of those proceeds were giving back to the, uh, we're still de- we're still deciding what entity, but either the Phoenix Police Department, first responders, something like that, so that those who are participating in the program can also get the benefit of saying, oh, well, I am contributing as well while we're all helping each other together. And that appeal as though they're getting marketing and we're all trying to work together and help first line responders, whether it's police, however it works out, that too has created that community. Okay, we can work together. We've got a partner in you. It really has drawn a lot of us closer together. It really saddens us to see those that have not made it through or those that are right on the edge. Because as you mentioned at the beginning, it's really one of our heart's desires is to be able to create employment and opportunities for other people to learn and grow about themselves. And when we see that, it's it's uh, it's bothersome. So we're doing what we can to help. Yeah. And one of the fun things actually is being able to see people's businesses and, and the fun things like we have a client who has a little um, a little burger shop, and his his hamburger is adorable. His his little hamburger guy, and I was talking to this the salesman this morning, and I said, I just love that hamburger. We need to make a, a squishy out of the hamburger, or we need to make something. Or what about stickers? You know, stickers on water bottles, or stickers for the kids, or whatever. And so he said, that's a good idea. So uh, he went and he talked to the the individual, and we're we're gonna design his him stickers now for, and, and I'm so excited because the the hamburger is just the cutest thing ever. So. <laughs> the logo, we have a logo we created for him. Yeah. yeah, no, I think I think that's awesome, and I think you know we could we could talk for hours about this. I think what we should do is have you come back probably next year or six months down the road and, and hear a little bit more. For me personally, I, I'm going to be following closely the safeandcleanmenus.com. I think you guys have really figured something out there um, in different men, uh, restaurants that I've been to in the last several weeks. You know, some of them have been, you know, you know, just hold on to that. That's yours, right? Because we're not taking it back. And then other places have handed me a wet menu. And I'm thinking, ah, yeah, I, I appreciate that you wiped this down, but... Yeah. That's gross. You know, I don't want and I don't want to be touching a wet menu when I'm getting ready to order my dinner. So bleach and ammonia are a little bit of a turnoff as you're getting ready to try and eat <laughs> something as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we we are running up against time, but I, I really want to thank you guys for being here today. 
I look forward to hearing more about the story. Obviously, Heather and I are in touch all the time, but I really appreciate the story and where you guys are going with this and look forward to continued success for you guys. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Tell us real quick a website and social media channels so that our listeners know how to get a hold of you. So our primary, we have multiple brands, but our primary brand is Verapax Marketing, which is verapax.com. And within that are the breadth of our service offerings. And then we're creating these sub-properties, which each have their own brand, which we're developing, which is uh, Safe and Clean Menus. Uh, one of the at mailing shops that we acquired is accurateaz.com. And then the political tool that I mentioned is politicalsignmanager.com which I bought the domain in 2010. So it's aged. That's how long I've had that idea. <laughs> um, so those, and uh, we have all the social channels buttoned down. Not so great at pushing out content, but we're working on that, uh, especially as we've been trying to work through these initiatives and try and focus on that. We've really been focusing more on the businesses that we've been helping rather than ourselves. We're not really tooting ourselves or saying, hey, this is a business that we're helping give them a shout out, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I was just going to say, last thing is, I just want to say that um, it was a great job today. It was a team effort, and Heather made that last play, <laughs> and I'm really thankful that we won the game. And I always just want to say that in front of the microphone. So thank you, Heather. <laughs> Even though it was a team effort, you made that last shot, and woo, we won. <laughs> All right. On that note, thank you very much for being here, guys, and we thank look you. forward to, to watching your success over the years to come. And much success to you, too. We appreciate yes, it. very much. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.